Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. All right, for this morning, some of you may already know this, that I love listening to audiobooks uh, in my mind, and I know this is just in my mind. It may not be true, but at least in my mind, I feel it helps me to be very productive when I'm listening to audiobooks because I can uh, listen to audiobooks as I'm commuting. I'm listening to audiobooks as as I'm doing some mindless tasks like doing the dishes or folding the laundry. So I was, I was listening to an audio book. The name of the book is not important. And the author mentioned several movies made in the 90s. Uh, this was before the technological advancement on special effects to ruin everything. Uh, so good movies back then had to rely more on good storyline and good acting. They, they, they're still around. There's still good storyline and good acting. But one of the movies that was mentioned in this book was The Usual Suspects. For some of you, you may or may not have seen this movie before. I would really recommend that for you guys to watch it. It's a really good movie. But actually, the thing that I want to get to is I'm reminded of one of the lines from the movie by the main character, Kaiser Soze. He said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. That line from the movie was and still is such an accurate statement. Right? The devil exists, but we don't ever hear about it. We don't hear about it in the news. We don't hear people talking about it, uh, except in churches. Right? Even then, it is sad to say, some churches would not even talk about the devil for fear of offending people. So we, as followers of Jesus, we need to talk about the devil and be reminded that he does exist because Jesus talked about the devils often. Jesus talked about the works of the devil Jesus would call the devil such as what? The prince of this world as in being the most powerful being underneath God, right? He would call him as the prince of lies. In John 8, we've gone through this, as in when he lies, he speaks his native language. That's amazing, right? The prince of lies. He would call the devil as some, is a murderer, as in a murderer as is someone who, who would take away your life, take away your hope, take away your joy, take away your rest and your peace, and replace it with chaos, and destruction. The devil is always in opposition of Jesus. Jesus constantly talked about this. So if we talk about Jesus, we need to acknowledge that there is a devil. And in every single area, right, Jesus is, because the devil is in opposition of Jesus, Jesus is life, the devil is death. Jesus is rest, the devil is chaos. Jesus is about truth, the devil is about lies. So if I can say that if, if the banner for Jesus is on earth as it is in heaven, then the banner for the devil is on earth as it is in hell. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing us that he didn't exist. I'm not saying whenever things go wrong in our lives, those things are caused by the devil, right? For example, if we're not paying attention and we walk and we tripped over and as we reach out to brace ourselves, we break our hand, it's because we're careless. It's not because the devil caused that. Not everything that went wrong is caused by the devil. However, 
it is very important for us to know and be vigilant in reminding one another that the devil does exist. He possesses incredible power. Having that knowledge and that understanding will help us to better grasp this next passage that we are about to go through. This passage on Jesus' prayer for us as his disciples. He prays for us because the devil does exist. So the passage that we're going to work through this morning is from John 17, verse 9 through 19. Jesus prays specifically for his disciples. There are so many things in here that we can actually spend time on uh, one, sun, one Sunday for each verse because there's so much in here. However, I would try to emphasize three things within this passage that I feel for us at Restoration that we can and should focus on for this season. At the same time, I want to encourage everyone to read through this passage in your own time. Read through it slowly, meditate on each verse, each sentence from Jesus, because by spending more time on John 17, on our own time, quiet time, this is also how we can learn to pray, as Jesus is giving us a practical example of how to pray. As I mentioned last week, uh, repeating the commonly known Lord's Prayer is just a guideline for how we should pray. John 17 is how we actually should pray because that's what Jesus prayed. As we can see how Jesus prayed in this chapter, it is not from a place of being quiet or hesitancy or shy or timid, right? Just like we sang before, right? As I bow before you, I will rise in confidence. I will rise in confidence as I approach you and knowing that I'm your sons and, and all your daughters. So studying John 17, we can see that the prayer should come from a place of confidence, confidence in understanding our sonship and daughtership, right? Because my, my son and my daughter would talk to me all the time. Like when we, I know same thing with Vanessa, right? When she walked Jolie to school, or he would talk nonstop. It's the same thing when I would try to walk them. They would talk nonstop. So once you understand that you are son of your father, you're very comfortable. See, that's a confidence. That's what I mean in terms of confidence. And also about boldness is when we recognize who God is. We recognize God's bigness. We can be bold in what we ask for. We can be bold in coming before him and not be timid, not be shy. It's like, oh, God, I'm asking for this, but maybe if it's too big or too much. No, be bold because we know who God is. If we know who God is, we can be bold. So anyway, let's get back to uh, the passage on John 17, verse 9 through 19. The three things that I would like to highlight for us, number one is who was he praying for? Jesus came to save the world, but he was praying specifically for those who believed in him. Uh, we can see in verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I am not. I'm not praying for the world, but, I, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And then the second thing, second point that we want to focus on this morning is what was he praying for? Right? Jesus prayed for our protection because you can see that in, in verse 11. Protect them by the power of your name and unity. He's praying to them, we will be protected and we will have unity also, so that they may be one as we are one. So if we know Jesus the Father is like one as in the example of how one should be, and he's praying for us to be one, that's pretty amazing, right? So that means unity. We are to be united, one mind, one heart, one body. So as we have been, because we have been set apart by our revelation of Jesus, who Jesus is. 
Which leads to the third point is, why does Jesus pray for us to not be taken out of this world? We're meant to be here. Jesus acknowledged and prayed for us to not, I want to emphasize that, not be taken out of the world. We have a purpose here on earth during this time and this season. And that's in verse 10. And this actually blew my mind when I read this and studied this. Verse 10. And glory has come to me through them. Jesus' glory is being known through us. That's amazing, isn't it? And he said, and my prayer is not that you take them out, but you protect them from the evil one. So anyway, so those are the three points that we'd like to um, focus on. And I want to encourage you guys to read each verse as we go through um, in your own time throughout the week. So firstly, let's talk about who Jesus was praying for. Jesus was praying specifically for his believers. He's saying, I'm not praying for the world. I'm not praying for everyone. I'm just praying for the ones that you have given me. That means those that believe in Jesus. This verse, I would imagine, typically would stir up conflicts and tension, right? Especially in the current society where we live in. Right? It's about equity for everybody. Everybody needs to have the same thing. Everybody needs to be equal. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But now we see this, and Jesus is actually favoring one group over another because he's praying for protection for the believers. Let's keep in mind that Jesus loves everyone, and he invites all to be saved. But he specifically loves the one who believes in him. And through our belief and our faith in him, he sanctifies us and he glorifies us because of our faith in him. Next to that is redemption is offered to everybody. I think we know that, right? Redemption is offered to everyone. But it is also true that salvation is effectual only to those who believe in Jesus. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, you can't get salvation. And, and another point to that is Jesus is the mediator between God and mankind. But he intercedes actively for those who come to God by him. If you bypass Jesus, you cannot come to God. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We learned that in, in John 14. So, so Jesus daily watched over. He thought about and he provided for us with unfailing care. Those who believe in Jesus, right? We can see his prayer. And also we know this from Hebrews 7 verse 25. Is, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for us. That's amazing. The God of the universe always lives to intercede for us. It is comforting to know that we're very capable to stand and persevere to the end, not because of our own strength or our own ability or our own goodness, but because Jesus intercedes for us. That's how we are able to stand because Jesus intercedes for us. That's how we're able to persevere to the end because Jesus intercedes for us. If we rely on our own strength and our own effort, it's going to work out for a little bit. But eventually, there will come a point where we cannot go further. But when we rely on Jesus, there's really no limit in terms of what we can do because Jesus is interceding for us. We can see, if I can just use one example from scriptures, we can see the difference between Judas, who betrayed Jesus, and Peter. Jesus prayed for Peter in Luke 22, verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, not if you turn back, and when you have turned back, 
strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So take comfort in knowing that Jesus always pray and intercede for us. So for Peter, because Jesus prayed for Peter, even though he betrayed Jesus also, he was able to turn back and strengthen his brothers. Whereas Judas, he was not able to turn back. And he was not able to strengthen his brothers. So take comfort in knowing that Jesus always pray for and intercede for us, people who believe in him. That's amazing, isn't it? When you believe in Jesus, he's always interceding for us. He's always praying for our protection. And he's always praying for our unity. So the next part also is I would like to highlight for us is the what. What did Jesus pray for? He prayed for our protection and unity in verse 11. He said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And uh, also verse 15 and 16. My prayer, is not to, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them, protect them from the evil one. See, the devil, he does exist. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't pray for our protection against the evil one. They are not of the world, but even as I am not of it. So Jesus was very well aware of the prince of this world that we live in, the devil, and what the devil is capable of doing. Jesus knew that the devil existed, and our enemy is roaming like a lion waiting to devour us. He's not just kind of happened to be walking around. If someone come across his path, he would just kind of destroy that person. He's roaming around looking for people to devour. First Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So not just a happen chance. You just come across my path. Looking, prowling. Prowls around like a rolling lion, looking for someone to devour. So he's looking, constantly looking. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So be alert and of sober mind. Resist him and stand firm in the faith together with families of believers. But in order to be alert and of sober mind, we need to know that the devil does exist and recognize that. Keep that in the back of our mind. The devil does exist. This is why it is so crucial for us to rely on the Holy Spirit. If we know the devil exists, we know that we need Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Be in tune with the Holy Spirit so we can be, equip ourselves with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Be alert and encourage one another, those in the family of believers, to put on the armor of God. Because our enemy is relentless and merciless, if I can use that term. Relentless and merciless, right? A line that prowls around looking for someone to devour. Not just to look for someone to play with or mess with, to devour. We cannot resist or fight against the devil as individuals in our own strength. We may think we go do some reading, get some studying, but this is a spiritual attack. We need to fight it with a spiritual weapon. We cannot resist the devil all of us, myself included, on our own. We must be united as one body, connected together with Jesus as the head. This is why God put us in the local church family. It is so we can be one as Jesus and the Father is one. 
right? We have gone through 16, 17 chapters that I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. I only do the things the Father tells me to do. Jesus is praying for us to be like that. I don't know if we can ever be like that, but we can try to be as one as we can possibly can, and that is to be together, gathering together, coming together, fellowship with one another. Unity is how we can be one and encourage one another. We cannot encourage one another or be encouraged if we don't commit to the church family. And I know I've been saying this for the last few weeks. We cannot be encouraged or encourage one another if we don't commit to a church family, a group of people that God has put us together, whom God prays for us to be one. He prays that we can be one so we can be united. Committing to a local church family is not about growth in numbers. It is about protection from our enemy and, and unity so we can resist the devil. Because if we are not part of a local church family, if we're not gathering and walking with those God has put us together, we will have no chance. I will say that now. Maybe we can still be successful at our jobs. Maybe we can still do well, but things will slowly deteriorate. And we will slowly lose relationship, lose track of who Jesus is, lose track of what's important. So we need unity and protection through the local church. It's what, the local church is where we can find Jesus' prayer protection and unity being outworked. Since we know our enemy, the devil is relentless and merciless in trying to destroy us, we must be the same, if I can say that. We must be relentless and merciless in gathering with each other, relentless and merciless, as in not stopping or allowing anyone or anything to prevent us from gathering. Yes, as we, we all have lived through COVID, right? I'm looking around. I think everybody's older than three here. We all have lived through COVID. There's certain times where we're not able to gather, but when we can, we make the effort to gather. We make the effort to get together, to worship, to praise God, and to honor him. So we find protection and unity in the local church that is built by Jesus and with him at the head. We also see Jesus' prayer in this, mess, in this passage that we as followers of, of Jesus have been set apart. I say we're special. Not just, you know, we're kind of special. We're special to God. Special enough for Jesus to die on the cross for us. It's not because we think we're special. God thinks that we're special. That we have been set apart. In verse 15, Jesus prayed, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world because we have been set apart. He does not wish for his followers, us, to be taken out of this world, but to be kept from the evil of it. That's interesting, right? He doesn't want us to be taken from this world, but he wants us to be kept from the evil of it. From, from these verses, his prayers, Jesus wants his followers to remain here and be kept from his evil instead of being taken out and removed from the presence of evil together. You know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like Jesus, why didn't you say, take us from this place? Life would have been so much easier, right? So as soon as you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven right away. Why isn't there an express train that can take us to heaven? That would have been so much easier. But that was not his intention. That is not what he wants us to do. And there's a reason for why we are to remain in this world that we live in. There is a purpose for us. 
There is a purpose for us as followers of Jesus to be in the current environment, in the current territory, in the current season that we are in. Because this is what Jesus prayed for. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. If we take a step back and think about that, wow, through me, Jesus' glory will come through. I felt a little bit overwhelming when I first read that verse. Like through, through them, through me, through each, every one of us, his glory will come through for all the people around us. The task, so that's why Jesus wants us to stay and remain and be protected from the evil of this world that we live in because we have a mission. There's a purpose for why we're here. And the task for us is to glorify Jesus. Our task, our purpose, or, or uh, the reason that we've been set apart is to what? To glorify Jesus. To glorify Jesus. Just as Jesus was sent to earth to glorify our Heavenly Father. We see that in, in John 17 verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now John 17 verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So as the Father sent Jesus into the world, now Jesus is sending us to finish the work. Whatever, what is the work? It's to glorify Jesus. We will bring glory to Jesus on earth by finishing the work that Jesus gave us to do. Isn't that awesome? And on one hand, when I was thinking, well, Jesus, why didn't you pray that you can just take all of us out of this world? As soon as I accepted Jesus, why couldn't you just take me straight to heaven? You know, the rapture. Like, that would be so awesome. But no, there is a mission for us. As much as you may or may not like it, there is a mission for us. Jesus is sending us to do something for him. We will bring glory to Jesus on earth by finishing the work that Jesus gave us to do. That is how we follow his examples, right? We talked a lot about followers of Jesus. The Father sent Jesus, now Jesus is sending us. So through John um, 17 verse 10, right, how we can give glory to Jesus is by we meant to be the living proof of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has finished the work which our Father has sent him to do. What is that? We glorify Jesus by showing everyone else that Jesus is sending us into the world, that what he has really done to us and in us and what he has made us, and in particular, what he came in the world to do. What did he come to do? Luke 19, seek and save the lost. What else did he come to do? Matthew 20, give his life as a ransom for many. What did he do? What did he come to do? So then people may have life. John 10, he came to them the light, to be the light of the world so that his followers will have the light of life. John 8. And he came not to call on the righteous, but the sinners to repent, to repentance, Matthew 9. We can consider ourselves as Christians, how we can glorify Jesus is when we become a person who is a living proof that the Son of God succeeded his mission in this life. That is how Jesus is glorified through us, is we are living proof of what he has done the finished work that he has done. Live as people who have been transformed by Jesus, right? He came and seek and save the lost. Yes, I've been saved because your, your work has been finished. Live as people who have been transformed by Jesus. Live as people who have been saved by Jesus. Live with the gratefulness for the ransom of his blood. 
live with the revelation that we have eternal life and be the light in the darkness. I know we sing about that, but we got to live as people who have the light that shines in the darkness. This is how we glorify Jesus. This is how he is glorified through us is we live like that each day. Live as people who've been transformed by the works of Jesus so then we're so different now that the people from our past wouldn't recognize us at all. They wouldn't, oh, goodness, Hugh, I don't even know you. It's because I've been transformed by Jesus. I think I was telling someone, um, oh, we had Dan and Clara over for lunch the other day, and we said we used to go clubbing. We used to go clubbing. But because of Jesus, we've been transformed to, now we go to church. <laughs> Transform, live that like that. Right? Live as people who don't have the same values and principle as the world around us. Now, our values and our principle come from Jesus because we think differently now. We make different decisions. Just like um, some of the things that we do in our lives. It's like, you know what? We used to stay up really, really late, noon, midnight, one, two, three in the morning. But now, it's like, no. We have a plan. We have a mission. We have a purpose. I want to be in, we want to be intentional about not wasting a day because we want to be alert and of sober mind. Live as people who have a faith and hope in Jesus. That's how we can allow the glory of Jesus to come through us. Live with the hope and faith in Jesus, not in our income bracket, not like how big is our saving account, not... Of, of our social status or, or what neighborhood we live in or the uh, you know, academic degree that we have or what school we went to or, the, or other people's acceptance. That's a big thing. You know, we may or may not realize a lot of us live for other people's acceptance, whether it's in the press, the media, our friends, our neighbors, or our family members. But we live with the hope and faith in Jesus. That is how we glorify Jesus. Because we are the people who have been set apart in Christ. Not because we think we're special, like I said before. I may think I'm special, but it doesn't mean anything. God thinks that I'm special. God thinks that we're special. That's why he's praying for us. So I want to bring this morning to a close by reminding us, again, the three things that I feel God, he wants to emphasize for us for this season. He wants us to hold on for this season or, and, and to remind us, us, when I say us, it's like the people at restoration during this season is one. Jesus prays for us as his believers. He prays so then we will be sanctified and glorified through Jesus because the devil is always on the prowl to destroy us. That's why he prays for us. He's not praying for everyone else. He prays for us. Number two, we're protected by his prayer and through unity, unity with one another. As I said, practically, protection and unity can only be found in the local church. Otherwise, why would Jesus bother building his church? Right? I think we all know this. We talked about this all the time. There's only, there's only one thing I see in Scripture that Jesus is building. Is his church. So if that's not important, then why would he build it? And if it's important for Jesus, it should be important for us. Because that's where we can find protection and unity. 
And that's why we see from Psalms 133, right? This is where God pulls out his blessing, how good and pleasant it is when God's people gather together and live in unity. So then God can pull out his blessings and his favor upon us. And number three is our reason for being in this world. Don't forget why we're still here. Right? Someday, maybe we all, have, we all have tough days, right? I know I'm not the only one. Someday, it was like, Jesus, why are you not back yet? How long is it going to be? Because enough of this, obstacles. And, but we need to remember there's a reason why we're here. And Jesus has a mission for us. And we are to glorify him. Don't be embarrassed or timid or shy about being a Christian. So if I can encourage you, because God is not embarrassed or shy about us at all. He thinks we're special. He thinks we're special. He thinks that we're worth it for him to go on the cross for us. The God of the universe thinks that we're special, and he has set us out, set us apart for a mission. That's amazing, isn't it? If I'm being really honest. Maybe I'm too honest here. If I were to pick someone for this mission to glorify Jesus, I probably would not pick myself. But God thinks enough of us, of me, of you, to go and be sent on the mission. And he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can go and bring glory to him through how we live our lives. That's amazing, isn't it? And we have been set apart for what? To advance his kingdom and defeat the prince of lies, the prince of this world, the devil, murderer. That's what he used the term, murderer. I don't know if we fully, well, maybe for me, fully, I don't know if I fully understand, appreciate the word murderer. It's like someone who destroy, bring chaos, disruption, complete annihilation. That is our enemy. But Jesus is calling us on this mission is to advance his kingdom. So through us, with the mission on advancing his kingdom by how we live and how we interact with one another, Jesus is glorified. So if I can end with this, is please, please do not be shy and embarrassed about who we are and what we were called to do. Because God has equipped us and God wants to use us, and he's been praying for us. He's been protecting us, and he's watching out over us. He loves us. And how we speak about Jesus is how he is being glorified. So keep that in mind. Um, so I want to end by, again, going back to encourage each and every one of us to read through this passage slowly and allow the passage to speak to you, speak to us, so we can get a... I wouldn't say a full understanding, but a greater understanding of what Jesus was praying for and why he was praying for his disciples. So, amen. Amen. Okay, why don't we stand? I, I felt like that was really intense. I was just passionate. It was not a bad thing. I was just passionate because I feel like as we catch the heart of Jesus and what he is trying to do and how he feels about us, you cannot help it but to be so encouraged and be determined. It's like, Jesus, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? I will run through the walls, run through whatever to go where you need me to go. So anyway, I need to stop. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. Just thank you for today. I just want to pray and lift each and every one here up to you, Jesus. 
And I ask that, Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen everyone. Give us the confidence of knowing that we belong to you, that we are your son, we are your daughters of the God most high, Lord. And I just pray that, Holy Spirit, that you give us the strength and the boldness to recognize of how big and how mighty and how amazing and how powerful you are that you are praying for us, you're watching out over us, you are protecting us. And I just pray that as we have that revelation, that we can step fully into what you have for us, Lord, to be your people. So then through us, you will be glorified, Jesus. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about any person here, but it's not about restoration, but it's about you, Jesus. And I just pray for that, Lord, that we will have courage and strength and confidence from here on out to break off any things that may have held us back, Lord. I just felt like the term breakthrough keep coming through. I just pray for breakthrough right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just pray that any bondage will be break off in the name of Jesus, God. That Holy Spirit, you will give us strength. That's like a, a strength of a person who's breaking off the chain and then we can step forward and be free. Step out of the, the, the prison. Step out of the box. Step out of the small area that the, the enemy is trying to trick us to keep us in. In the name of Jesus, we pray for that, Lord. We love you and we honor you and we praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.